okay, I'm going to go ahead and get started here, or I will not be. I'll do work badly because I'm a little shook, shook in a good way. Okay, but I want to read this this ver- these two verses, Second Timothy one six through seven. And usually in the past, I've talked about verse seven a lot. I never really tied verse six into it uh, until the Lord started speaking to me that they kind of need to connect them, but. It says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Wow, isn't that beautiful? You know, uh, let me just begin to say that if if we've ever been in, and this is sort of kind of an echo really, uh, we're in a perilous time. You know, I grew up, when I was a kid, I can remember uh, these drills they would have in school where you would get under your desk, <laughs> right, because the Soviet Union was going to bomb us with a nuclear bomb, and we we're going to get under the desk, and somehow that was going <laughs> to help us. <laughs> and literally, the schools I was in had bomb shelters. They had bomb shelters in them where they would herd you down there occasionally to practice this, this thing. But man... This is, a, this is a more perilous time, way more than that, because we've seen, we've seen how that went, and even though it seemed scary at the time. And, but I've never been in a time in my life where there's been so much things happening that are frightening, that are very frightening. Um, you know, this pandemic is crazy. You know, for some people, it's the sniffles. It puts other people in the hospital and kills people. So that's just, and there's been all this fear released into the earth over that, and uh, people are being controlled by fear. And, you know, of course, with what's going on in our government, just our government, not not to mention the governance of the world, is is crazy. We've never, we've never seen anything like this. Um... Years ago, Bob Jones stood in this church, probably 10 years ago, and he said, there's something coming that you don't have a right to. Fear, panic, anxiety, depression. He said, you don't have, and I want to tell you, that something's here. And, it, and that's what it's created in our world. It's created panic, it's fear, it's created depression, it's co- co- created fear. Uh, there's been more, if you study what's going on in, in the earth with people, uh, there's been more suicides there's been more child abuse. There's been more substance abuse. There's more been more just the, the, the emotional toll that humanity is experiencing right now is, is absolutely incredible. It is, it, is, it is overbearing. People are being little by little destroyed emotionally. And that's really what's happening in our world today. You know, but really the truth is, is right from the very beginning of the pages of the Bible, this thing called fear has been present. In fact, fear, uh, many believe, it's, it's hard to sort through this, uh, that that is the, the absolute most uh, repeated command in the Bible is to don't be afraid, fear not. Uh, so it's something that we have to, Face. It's, it's almost like the, the scriptures reveal that every day of our lives, fear is lurking at our doors. 
or maybe in our house. Every, every day of our life, we're going to have to face some type of fear and deal with some type of fear. In fact, I read years ago that, that they believe people, humans, are born basically with two fears. And there's thousands of fears now, but the two fears that most of us are born with is the fear of loud noise and the fear of falling. That Everybody has those, but every other fear that we have has been acquired by living in this fallen, corrupt, toxic world. And so right now, there's a flood of fear coming, and, but, but it's not that, you know, the, the key for us is to learn how to respond to this fear. That's really the key for the body of Christ right now. We have to learn to respond to the news that we're hearing for, for the things that are really going on and, and things that are really happening in the world. We, as people, need to really learn out what, what is the Holy Spirit wanting us to do how does he want us to deal with this information that's absolutely coming against us? Are y'all with me this morning? I need some help. So here's how we respond to fear. Here's how we do it on a human level. If we can eliminate all uncertainty, that's, that's what we want to do. We want to eliminate all the uncertainty. That's how we want to respond to fear. The problem with that response, it doesn't work because we cannot eliminate any, any uncertainty. None. We have no control over that. We have control over ourselves. So, so we have to learn. So I'm gonna, that's what I want to talk to you briefly about this morning. I said briefly, okay? Does that make you feel better? Y'all going to have to loosen up here now. I need some help. I said I'm going to briefly talk to you about dealing with fear, how we should respond to fear, what the Bible really teaches about this. That's what I want to do. And I believe the very first thing we need to do is what Paul said in verse 6. I remind you to stir up the gift of God in you. That's the first thing we need to do is we need to reconnect. Hey, listen, the body of Christ in America on a lot of levels and most believers on a lot of levels, we've been sort of in a holding pattern. You know what a holding pattern is at an airport? You can't land yet or you can't take off yet. Taking off is worse if you're in a holding. Oh, Lord, one time I was in this... Let me just tell you about my one famous holding pattern. I was sitting in the front of an air. I thought I had the best seat. You know, it was one of them big, long seats, you know. I was by myself, and, and I, all of a sudden, these two guys came in, and these boys were big. I'm not talking about, I'm talking big. I'm talking 400-pound class guys. And the guy said, hey, you're in my seat. Well, I wasn't going to argue with him. You know, I'm okay, I'm going uh, and the other guy said, you, I'm on the window and he's on the aisle. So that might put me in between them. Oh, Lord. So I stuck between these two big men. And they, the plane couldn't take off for a long time. And it was hot. And it got hot in the airplane. And people started sweating. And those guys, I don't know what kind of food they ate. It wasn't normal. <laughs> I just tell you that. That was the worst holding, holding pattern I've ever been in. It was like, God, you've got to do something. Please do it fast because I'm going to die in here. I can't tell you. It's toxic. That's what it felt to me. Well, you know, I believe we're in a time where we need to begin to stir up the gift of God in us. We have to come out of the holding pattern. We have to begin to move on with our lives in the Lord. We can't just stay locked down in our hearts. Okay, we really can't. We can't stay, you know, like that. We've got to decide what has God put in me? What is the gift of God in me? And I'm going to begin to pursue that and begin to cultivate that in our, my life. 
And I think that's really one of the, mo- the first most important things. So the next question you should be asking me is, how do I stir up the gift of God? Is that a good question? Does anybody think about that? Because I used to read, well, how the heck do you do that? I don't really, I can't tell you all the ways that you should do it, but I will tell you how I stir up the gift of God in me. I pray in tongues a lot. Okay, I have a life in the Word of God a lot. Those, those are some really important things to me. I think being thankful is, is vital. I think, it's being vi- I think it's the vital thing now is to continue rehearsing your mind the goodness of God and how what God has done in your life already and begin to allow that. And I think another thing is just giving honor to God, honoring His ways, honoring what He says versus what you're hearing. I believe as we begin to do that, the gift in us starts activating. The gift in us starts, starts rising to the top. Um, I think fellowshipping with other strong believers is vital. You know, the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling. Part of that is not just talking about coming to church. It's talking about connecting with other men and women that are going to challenge you in your faith, that are going to provoke you some. I love being around people that provoke me spiritually, that cause me to, to cause me want to go after God because I see something and they say things and it, and it just provokes me. It, it, sometimes I get bothered like, why ain't I having that? Why don't I see that? Why am I not hearing that? That's what I'm, I'm looking for those people in my life to be there. I just believe our fellowship, our communion with other strong believers is vital at this time. And when the world is trying to break us down and isolate us, because when you're isolated, the devil is, is going to be your fellowship. He's going to really go after you and try to take that place of what other strong believers. That has been a big thing in my life, and I'm so thankful for the people that God has brought in my life over the years. Becky and I have said this many, many times. We have been pastored the most by our strong brothers and sisters in the Lord, not necessarily our pastors. That's how we've been pastored the most. And there's a lot of people in this church, there's people sitting in this room right this second that I look to that provoke me, that I feel like they actually help me and speak into my life. And and most of the time, they're not thinking they're speaking into my life. They're just being who they are and releasing the gift of God in them. So I encourage you, man, get around some strong believers. Don't get around them who are are consumed and and beat up and, and skeptical and negative. You know, you don't need that. There's enough of that in the world. You can pray for them. You can get around them as a mission. Okay, get around them to exercise your gift. Because I think exercising your gift is important. Is use it and it'll get stronger. That's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews. Are y'all with me this morning? Uh, I mean, I just think that's so, so important. I think it's so important that Christians really allow the word of the Lord a place in their life. I really do. Just allowing the word of God a preeminence in their life. It's, it's just so, because we're guilty of allowing every, everything else to, to have a place when the word of the Lord can really, is the thing that can really change your heart. Amen? So that's a, a, an important way to deal with fear. Another one is, is simply to resist fear. We, you know, we have to resist it. 
Uh, we all feel fear. Fear is an emotional, it impacts our emotions. We, have, we all feel afraid at times. The most powerful men they are, most powerful women, they feel fear. One of the differences between a courageous person and a, and a cowardly person is a courageous person, even though they feel fear, even though they're afraid, they press over it. They don't allow it to be their faith. They don't allow it to control their actions or their belief system. They, they resist it. They stand against it. And we have to do that right now. We must do it. That doesn't mean you throw common sense out the window. Come on, y'all. We don't throw common sense. We use practical wisdom that God's given us. But at the same time, we can't be hovering in fear, cowering in fear. Are you with me on that? I tell you what, if we get, this is what happens. This is what Paul said. That God didn't give us a spirit of fear. If you cater to fear, if you give in to fear, you cultivate a spirit of fear. It's not just suddenly you're dealing with just fear. You're dealing with a demonic spirit of fear. That y'all get. Listen, this is important. This is what the scripture teaches. The scripture teaches in the spirit world, like attracts like. In the natural world, you know, the way God created it is. Men like women and women like men. Right? Okay? Yeah. I'm, we're on board with that thought. Easy. Right? But in the world, it's different. In the spirit world, Jesus, this is what Jesus did in Luke 10. He sent 70 people out, okay, to preach the gospel. And he told them, listen, whatever house you enter, speak peace to it. If there's a man of peace there, your peace will rest there. If there's not a man of peace there, your peace will come back to you. You see what he's saying? What you release, this peace of God goes out from you, and it's looking. It's looking for a person of peace. It's looking for that same peace. And if it's there, that peace goes there. But if it can't find it, it's coming back. That's important. So what happens if we cultivate fear, if we give in to fear, all of a sudden these demons, the demonic spiritual, and I believe one of the, I believe there's three very powerful demonic forces, strongholds that operate in the world. One, spirit of religion, right? Everybody knows that. The other one's the spirit of lawlessness. What's happening in the world, the spirit of lawlessness and the spirit of religion have teamed up. They really have. Right now they have teamed up. And they brought in this other spirit called the spirit of fear. Okay, so you have this threefold, demonic threefold cord that's operating in the world right now. And it is very powerful. And so when we cater to fear, when we give in to fear, we open ourselves up for this spirit of fear to begin to go to work in our life. And then we got real problems because we're not just dealing with feelings of fear and being afraid. We're dealing with a very powerful demonic spirit. Are y'all following me this morning? Okay. Okay, so uh, one of the things I wanted to, I'll go ahead and say this is sort of a side note, skepticism, this is side. We have to be careful, believers, to not become skeptical. And Because here, here's the thing, we've heard so many things, hopeful things, prophetic words, and, and it's easy to become skeptical about stuff. I, I, I had my uh, YouTube. I like YouTube. I like watching YouTubes on different things. Becky thinks I'm crazy because of some of the stuff I like to watch, but I like to study history. That's a great way to study history is through YouTubes. And you can get you can take theology classes on YouTube. Literally, you can you can listen to you know lectures of people that are really good 
So there's some good stuff on there. There's bad stuff, obviously, everywhere. But, but um, I opened my thing up, and Becky said, wow, urgent prophetic word. It was like five. I'm like, good Lord, if everything's urgent, nothing's urgent, right? Like, I'm being overwhelmed with urgent, right? I mean, I get we live in an urgent time, but everything can't be urgent, you know? And it, you can become skeptical about all this. You can become a skeptic. Don't become a skeptic. Don't. Don't allow that into your heart. What we need to do right now, this is what God's saying, learn how to discern, learn how to think Learn how to ask God to give you the, the what they, the Bible says, the, they understood the times to know what to do. That's what we need to be cultivating instead of becoming skeptical about what we hear. It's like, okay, I need God trying to teach me how to think the way He thinks and see things and discern. Are y'all with me? And we need to do that right now, folks, because we are the people who need to bring the Word of the Lord. Okay, and we need to bring the Word of the Lord. We need to be thinking right about what is the Word of the Lord and what is the Lord saying. This is a side thing. Are y'all, are, are y'all okay? Y'all looking like y'all didn't like what I just said. You know, and I'm sorry if you didn't like it, but I don't care. This is the truth. We need to get with the program here. You know, that's how I feel anyway. You know, I'm going to try to be careful in my life to tell people what my opinion is versus what my what I believe the the Lord's saying. I have opinions about the pandemic. I have opinions about face masks. I have opinions about vaccine. But the truth is, my opinion's a joke because I'm not qualified to talk about any of that unless Jesus talks to me about it. And if he starts telling me stuff about it and I know it's him, I'll talk about it. I promise you that. Just saying that. Yeah. All right, here's another thing that I think is very important. Oh, Lord, I've got to hurry up. I've got to step on the gas here. S- Sabbath. Having Sabbaths in your life. Listen to this. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. See, we, we have somehow are loose in the art of being still. Okay? This is what General Patton, George Patton, one of the greatest military leaders in history, in all of history, Patton was like this amazing guy who could win battles and knew how to do stuff and really won this, you know, the Pacific, not the Pacific, or the European War. He was the guy. And this is what he said, Fatigues, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. And that's the truth, you see. And we are the, we are the most emotionally fatigued people that's ever walked the face of the earth. We have, we're being wore out with information. We are tore up on the inside. We are exhausted on the inside. And we have to take, you can call it a Sabbath, call it a moratorium, whatever you say, you have to find time to set all of this stuff aside and not try to, well, I'm just going to tell you how I do it. I don't try, at those moments, it's not about seeking God. It's not about trying to get a word from God. It's just being still before God. And whatever God wants to do, he do it. Do it. And I'll tell you, I'm just telling this is how I do it. You figure out what, everybody's different. For me, I don't do that in the mornings. Okay, in the mornings when I'm devotion, having devotion with the Lord, where I'm reading the Word, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to me, if I try to do the be still thing in the morning, it just gets religious. 
That's the way it feels to me. Like I'm trying to be still. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. You know, but I can't be because my brain is running a million miles. You know what? I, I don't know if y'all like that, but I am. My brain's running a million miles all the time. I'm had to, I had to keep it suppressed. Just like, mm, just be quiet. Don't, mm. But I do try, and you know, there's time in the afternoons. You know, I can just dial down for 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 a few minutes, ten minutes, and let the Holy Spirit minister to me. It's just sweet, you know, and say no. I'm not. I'm taking a moratorium today. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna divulge in the politics. I'm gonna keep praying. I'm not gonna divulge in the, you know, the pandemic. I'm just. I'm just gonna divulge in Jesus today. And and see what happens is you get renewed, and you can go and approach those things with strength in you, versus exhaustion, which makes you afraid. So I want to encourage us. However, again, however it works for you. One of the things I, I, I discovered recently studying history that Becky thinks is ridiculous, is I was studying the Roman legions. You know, they were the one of the most powerful military forces ever. And one of their keys was in battle is they, they would rotate their troops every 10 minutes. In other words, if the, they, the ones that are on the front lines fighting, they had a whole other group waiting. When these guys fought 10, these guys would shift in, these guys would shift out. And they would just wear their enemies out. In other words, they were giving their soldiers rest. They were allowing them to decompress before and give them a time to catch their breath so they would be at the advantage. And they would wear, you know, and the other guys were not doing it and they were wearing them down and beating them senseless. That was one of their amazing keys for winning so many battles that they won. You know what destroyed the Roman Empire is is division. They began to get these guys who rose up and they would gather groups of legion, legions to themselves. And they really divided it. It no longer was in unity. And that's how the Roman Empire was destroyed. It became a bunch of little sects, little groups. Uh, and they had legions under them. And these legions became loyal to that person. Well, that's what's happening in America right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just the devil has no new tricks. Amen. And so we need to listen and learn from history. Becky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there are some comical stuff on YouTube that I love to watch. You ever need? You feel like you need comedy? Stuff you just laugh. At. There's some stuff on there that makes you makes me laugh till it hurt. Literally, it's so funny. But I won't get into that because Becky thinks it's very stupid. <laughs> it probably is. Okay, let's get back here. Come on, y'all. Help me. i got to hurry up and get done. All right, let me read this. Here's the next thing I want to tell you. I want to talk about the fear of the Lord just for a moment. Okay, because this is one of the things. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 10, 27 through 31. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. Wow, that's important. Whatever I tell you in the dark. Have, have you? Is anybody hearing God in the night? Is God waking people up? God stirring people? Are anybody having dreams from the Lord? That's, Jesus was kind of alluding to this time of darkness that God gives us revelation during that time because, well, there's a lot of reasons to it, but one of it is our, our conscious mind is more shut down at that time where it's not in control as much. That's important. Do y'all, y'all hear that? Your conscious mind. Your, that's why God speaks a lot in the, in the night. Because your conscious mind is not as, as active. 
And he can begin to speak to you because your conscious mind gets in the way of God speaking. I'll tell you that, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm big into this stuff at night, but it can be frustrating too because you can lose some sleep over it. That's terrible. <laughs> I'll take the loss of sleep, Lord, as long as you're there. Speak in the light what you hear in the ear. Preach on the housetops. Listen, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay, we won't get into all that, but that's what it says. So I'm, I'm sticking to what Jesus said. Are not two sparrows sold for copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore you are more value. So Jesus told us two things here. He spoke about fear. And listen, that word fear there actually means all. That's one of the meanings of it, all. One of the transla- translations, I forget which one it is, when they talk about Jesus' miracles, they says the people were all struck. You know, all struck about the Lord. It's all struck. See, we need God to strike us with all of Him. That's what the fear of the Lord. It's something the Holy Spirit does. It's something that's very powerful when we become, we get in awe of God. Okay, we get in awe of His power, His beauty, His glory, His miracles, His anointing, and His thoughts, and what He does. God, that's what God wants to give us. He wants to awestruck us. He He really does. But let, let me read Hebrews eleven seven. I'm gonna go fast on this, but this is really important. It says, "By faith Noah." See, when if you study Hebrews, there's these the Hebrews eleven. There's these different faiths that people had. Abraham had a faith. Okay, Abraham had a faith. Uh, uh, part of his faith was going out and not knowing where he was going, right? We need the faith of Abraham right now because God's calling the church forth, okay? I said at the beginning, listen, God's calling the church to begin to move forward now, but the question is, well, where are we going, Lord? I don't know where we're going. How, how are we going? Just, just take a step, son. Have the faith of Abraham and just do what I told you to do. You don't have to know where you're going. I'll work that out for you as you go. So I think it's really important we have the faith of Abraham, but Noah had a last day's faith. Listen, he had a faith of a last time, of an end of an era. It says, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved. Everybody say moved. Moved with godly what? Fear. You see... Fear, the fear of the Lord, the awe of God is meant to move us. Are y'all following me? It's not to, to shut us down. It's to move us. God wants to move His people. He wants to mobilize the body of Christ. And a part of that is, is faith, faith and fear that works together. The fear of the Lord, godly fear. We we. we Pursued faith forever. We'll continue pursuing faith, cultivating faith. You know, the faith of the Son of God. But we need to really say, Lord, we need to become awestruck. We need, to, we need this fear of God working our life. Because I don't think we have it. I don't think I have it. Do y'all hear me? I don't think. I think I have a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit about this, a little bit about that. I mean, you know, there's certain things you don't do because you know if you do them, the, the repercussions could be terrible because God created it to be that way. So there's this really righteous fear of the Lord, this godly fear of the Lord. But overall, I feel like we are lacking as a people in the awe of God. And I believe God's going to awestruck us. 
Let me finish reading this and read one more verse. Are y'all with me still? Okay, listen. He was moved with godly fear, prepared the ark. 100 to 120 years it took him to prepare that ark. By the way, it took a long time to build that boat. Thank good Lord, that guy. For the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. That's very powerful. So that's, that's what you see there. You see the fear of God and the faith of God working in Noah's life, causing him to do something that God called him to do, to build an ark, which there was no need for at the time, because it had never rained on the earth at that time. It had never literally rained. Did y'all know that? At the time of Noah, it had never rained, it had never poured out of heaven. The, the, the earth renewed itself from below. And what happened, there was something that happened where all this water got broke up and went up. And it changed the complete atmosphere of the earth when that happened because when that water blasted up and then started coming down back in and seeded the clouds and came back down, all this dust and stuff. I mean, everything changed at that moment. If you go back and study this from a scientific thing, you know, these good YouTube theologians and... But let me, now let me read one more scripture here about fear. Are y'all with me on this? There's a lot to this. Listen to what Jesus says. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. So he was given this comparison. Listen to this. This is crazy though. This is crazy. This next verse. When you read it, it's like, what? Seriously? For... I want you all to get this. For as in the days before the flood, they were fornicating. They had just getting with women. They were killing people. It didn't, Jesus didn't say any of that. Does that not blow your brains out? When I, I think about it, like, good Lord, what the heck? This is not logical. Why would you say they were eating and drinking? Everybody eats and drinks. We have to eat and drink or we'll die. That's not a sin to eat and drink, right? Are y'all with this? Do y'all wonder about this? Oh, and another thing they were doing. This is really terrible. They were marrying and giving in marriage. (laughs) You know, the same Jesus who blessed marriage and talked about marriage and talked about the fidelity in marriage and the blessedness of marriage... He was saying, these people were eating and drinking and giving and giving in marriage. That was his, his thought that he wanted us to have that what people were doing before the days of Noah. He wasn't wanting us to focus in at this moment anyway on all this bad perversion and violence and darkness that was in the earth. Have you ever thought about that? until the day that Noah entered the ark. But here's what Jesus was saying. They just were, were not interested in what God was saying or doing. They had no interest in God. They had no place for God. They were just doing normal life, which he was not condemning. All right, listen to me. We can do normal life. We must do normal life. We got to eat. We got to drink. We won't. Our grandkids, our children, we want them to get married, right? We'll put a wedding on for them. We'll put a celebration. We want all that. Those are really awesome things. But what he was saying, in the midst of people doing all this wonderful, awesome living, God was not on their mind. 
God was not important. What God was saying, what God was doing was being ignored. And that was Jesus' issue with it. And he said, because of that, are y'all following this? And so what he's trying to encourage us, listen, in the last days, is we can't be so caught up in life, even good life. Even good things, going to work, making money so you can feed your children. You know, preparing for your child to be married, doing wedding ceremonies, beautiful things. All that stuff is awesome. We, we would never condemn that. Jesus doesn't condemn it. But what he does is the heart of man that ignores him. The heart of man when he had this person, they called him a preacher of righteousness, what Peter called him that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And for 120 years, he preached to people that there's something coming and we need to have repentant hearts. We need to dial into what God's saying and doing. And, but nobody listened. And they all died except for eight people. That's not... And that's what Jesus says our end times are going to be. So I want to I really encourage everybody, including me, is that we don't get so caught up with our lives... And that, that we begin to ignore, ignore the word of the Lord. That, and we begin to ignore the heart of God, what God's looking for and what God wants to... Are y'all following this? Does this make sense to y'all? This is really important. This is the time we're in. We're in these days of Noah. And there's a temptation to just go live your life and do your thing and not be bothered with God. And it may get worse in America, but I found, uh, you know, when and going to other countries where the church is suppressed, is there's some powerful Christians over there. It really puts a fire in people. I don't know. I'm not suggesting that. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to move on. Are y'all good? Yeah. In Romans 3, okay, if you read Romans 3, there's a famous verse in, in there we always quote, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, what we don't realize is Paul lists, uh, think about 14 things, okay? Yeah, it's 14 things of what the, the heart of, and condition of people were in the Old Testament. Read it. It just starts with all I'm seeing. You know what the last one is? They had no fear of God before their eyes. And, and this is where the Passion Translation says that verse. It says, they shut their eyes to the awe-inspiring God. They shut their eyes and went to eating, drinking, marrying, doing just normal things. They shut their eyes to what God was trying to show them. And Paul said that was the condition of humanity in the Old Testament. And he was warning us, don't let it be your condition. Are y'all good? Tell me you're good or tell me you're bad. <laughs> All right, here's the other one. This is really good. A revelation of your worth before God. Jesus said your hairs of your head are numbered, Tony. I was looking at Dean, but he's still got hair. <laughs> he's got more hair than you, Dean. The hairs of your head are numbered. You are more, worth way more than birds, sparrows. That's what Jesus said. It's a revelation of worth. Let me read. We have to read this verse, okay? 1 John four eighteen. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect and love. Wow, that's convicting, right? Only love, not courage, frees us from fear. Only love, that's what it says. Fear is powerful, okay? But it's powerless against love. It really is. Perfect love casts out fear. 
And when we give God our fears, and whatever area of your life you're in, when you give Him that fear, when you present it to Him, see, I'm big into this surrender thing. Okay, I think y'all might know that by now. I've said it all the time. And here's the reason. If most of what I've been surrendering is my future and what I have, literally what I have spiritually, what I have in the natural, I just keep giving it back to the Lord. It's yours, Lord. It's all yours. I can't grip. I, I cannot grasp this. When I start grasp, grasping it, I don't sleep in a bad way. I'm, I'm full of anxiety, trying to make sure this is taken care of. I'm not trying to make sure I'm doing right. I, I just can't live that way. So I keep surrendering it to the Lord. But I'll tell you something. We can surrender some bad stuff too, right? Like our fears. And begin to say to God, I'm, this is, I'm scared, Lord. I'm scared about this. I'm afraid about this. And begin to let and invite His perfect, perfect love into that place. And that perfect love will take residence in your heart. And as it begins to grow in your heart, the fear... Fear has to go. It has to because that's what the Bible tells us. It's what the Word says. I heard, I'm going to end here, two things. I heard something, I heard Kenneth Copeland say this, and I don't care if you like him or not. That's not my concern what you think about Kenneth Copeland. I don't give a rip what your view of Kenneth Copeland is and his theology. Here's what I care about. When I hear somebody say something, I don't care if it's, if it's a, a bad person, unsafer. If they're speaking the Word of the Lord, I'm going to hear what they got to say. He said this. He was preaching somewhere in another country. I don't know where that was. I just called a blurb of it. He was preaching somewhere, and it was, you know, you go to these countries, and they'll preach you to death. <laughs> you know? Oh, we got Kenneth Copeland here. Kenneth, you're going to preach this morning. You're going to preach this afternoon. You're going to preach later this afternoon. Then you're going to preach tonight. <laughs> you know? And he, he said the more he preached, the worse his voice became. He, and it got down to where he was whispering as he preached because his voice was gone. You know, and he was, you know, feeling rough, feeling not feeling good up there, but they wanted him to preach. And then he said this, I want you to notice, he, this is what he was speaking to his audience, notice that I didn't ask you if my voice was healed. And also notice I didn't ask my voice if it was healed. I asked the Word of God if my voice was healed. And then he quoted, by his stripes, I am here. And guess what happened to him at that moment? At that very moment, his voice came back. That's really awesome. And you know what he said? And the next thing he knows, he sees his crutch fly up in the air. And he said, and it was on from there. Now, you can believe that or not. I believe that. I believe that God wants to move. And I believe what we have to do is we've got to stop given our natural stuff all the like it just, it tells us everything am I good natural circumstances no you are terrible no am I good Lord you're great Byron I love you hey listen this is what happened to me and I'm going to end on this okay so this is oh I had a really awesome December spiritually inwardly okay I had a few bumps and bruises because of what I had to do with this church, and I got kind of slapped around a little bit about that by the devil, but I'm okay. But let me tell you this. Hey, I started hearing this song, okay? And I was hearing it a lot, and I didn't never hear it on the, I never listened to it anywhere that I could remember. And the song was from the 70s. 
Yeah, it, this is an amazing, I love this song now. Well, I was in love with this girl who sang it back in the 70s. I thought, I'm going to marry her. You ever heard of Carly Simon? <laughs> well, I met Becky and didn't marry her, which I'm thankful for because I found out she's 10 years older than me. But, but when I was 14, 15, 16 years old, like Carly Simon, oh, my gosh, she's gorgeous. And she can sing. But this song that she sings called You Belong to Me. And I kept hearing it over and over and over in my mind. Then I realized, oh, my gosh. Finally, I woke up like, Holy Spirit, you're talking to me. That I belong to you. And I went back and looked at the lyrics of that song. Because I knew it was Carly Simon because I was in love with her. (laughs) That was before Christ, before Becky. (laughs) B-C-B-B. Okay. All right. She was, she was she was gorgeous. <laughs> she was young. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, wow, I'm a, that's that woman looks beautiful. Okay, I'm sorry, Becky. You're more beautiful because I married you. She thinks some guys are beautiful. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Carly Simon. It, it, this is one of the lines that really struck me. You you don't. It, it's a song about a guy, obviously, but it says you don't have to prove to me that you're beautiful. I have loving eyes. You hear that? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to tell people. You don't have to prove your worth. You don't have to prove that you're beautiful. You don't have to because I got loving eyes towards you. I've always had those loving eyes. And when we begin to see that and really believe that, I mean really believe it, fear cannot control your life. It can't control you when you know. That's what Jesus said. Fear him. You're worth more than birds. Your hairs of your head, you're worth. You're worth everything to me. I love you. I've always loved you. Don't try to prove anything. You don't have to prove nothing. Is that not free unto you? I have nothing to prove to God. I don't have to prove myself. I'm proved by him. I'm approved. You're approved. He loves you. Don't try to be lovable. Just let Him do that. And as we do that, and as that thing grabs our heart, it will make a huge difference in your life. Now, I will say this. It's a process. There's a growth in this. But this is very... That was why Jesus said that about the sparrows. Like, what else? What is He worried about birds for? Nobody cares about birds. We shoot birds. You know? Birds, squirrels, anything we get in the way, we're going to shoot their highs. Well, he's saying, listen, you're more important than that. And he says, the Father has his eyes even on that, but you're way more important than all of that because Jesus didn't die for birds. Jesus died for you and I. And he wants to set us free from fear and help us to live in the liberty of his love, right? And that we are worthy. We are slam worthy. You don't have to measure up no more. So, amen. Don't y'all stand up. And I'm going to, Marlon, come out here with me, buddy. Don't y'all love Marlon? I was thinking, you know, when Jacob was saying, think about things you're thankful for. I was thinking, I'm thankful for Marlon. That's why I'm thankful for Marlon. I love Marlon. He's he's a true son. Yeah. Come on, Marlon. Yeah. Yeah. We need to be thankful. Just so thankful for, I was saying about the worship team, I'm so thankful 
people that are so anointed and gifted, but willing to serve, not looking, not looking to be anything, just willing to serve and love. Isn't that a beautiful thing to have? It's, We're thankful for all you guys. Yeah. So I just wanted to pray for you that you begin to hear. Hey, I was thanking the Lord. You know, one of Carly Simon's songs was, You're so vain. I was thinking, Thank you, Jesus. You weren't singing, You're so vain. So there's some good things happening in the world. But I want you to know, I want you to experience the Lord singing over you that you belong to me. You belong to me. You're beautiful to me. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to do anything. I love you right the way you are. And if you've got issues in your life, I will get you. I promise you, because you belong to me, I will get you there. I will help you with those issues. Just let me. Just let him. If you've got sin in your life, just let him. Just say, Lord, i got this sin I can't seem to get rid of. I just need to let you come now and deal with that for me. I can't do it. I can't do it. He will do that for you. He will not condemn you. He will not judge you because he so loves you. Mm. I love my grandkids like nothing. And I see them do stuff like, mm, your mama needs to whip you. You know what? But you know what? It does not diminish my love. It, it doesn't. It, it just, I don't know, man. It's, and that's a part of God's love. God, I just, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for everybody that hears this. If they got nothing out of this today, they could know, they could know that they belong to you, Lord, and that you love them, and they don't have to prove a thing to you, Lord. Nothing. I just ask you to make that a reality, Lord. I pray you would just grab a hold of hearts today, Lord. That perfect love really does deal with our fear. When it moves in, the fear has to move out. It can't stay, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'd make us bold as lions, Lord. That the Holy Spirit would come on us. And we'd be bold and we'd be strong. And we would stir up that gift in us. We would stir it. We would stir it. And we would allow each other to come forth. In this hour, in their gifting, in their purpose, in their calling. And we would support one another. We would bind together, Lord, to reveal you in the earth, Lord. That we would reveal your shepherding, loving heart to the whole world and to those around us. And that we wouldn't resist each other. And we would allow people to be who they are in Christ. And we wouldn't be jealous and we wouldn't be envious, Lord. But we would promote each other, Lord. Lord, I ask you to do that. I ask you to pour out your spirit, God. Pour it out on us, Lord. Pour out your love on us, Lord. Free us from fear, Lord, that we would not be bound by fear, but we could walk in confidence in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm asking you to do that today for every person, every person that hears this, Lord, that they would have an encounter, Lord. Bring them into the heavenly realm in a real way, as Marlon prayed earlier, that it would become a reality that not only would heaven come down, that we would go up into heaven in our experience. Just like you said, John, he heard a voice. And he said, come up here. The Lord's calling people to come up and see something and experience something in the heavenly realm. There's a door open in heaven for all of us. There really is. Christ is that door. He made sure that door would stay open for you. And if you will believe it, He will draw you into that door. He will draw you into that place. I just, I just believe this. This is where we're going. We're going up. 
And when we go up, we can come back to earth and bring to earth what earth truly needs. We can bring our prayers for our government. We can bring our prayers for the pandemic. We can bring our prayers for the poor and hurting. We can bring something that will shift things because we got it in heaven and we brought it to earth and we can release it in earth. We can actually get finances where people need finances and bring them in from heaven to earth. Because the Bible says... Jesus says, the gold and silver is mine. And, but the way we get it is going into heaven and Him giving us strategy and plans. And in some cases, miraculous things. But in many cases, it's strategies and plans to come here and, and lay hold of that gold and silver of the Lord to be able to minister to, to His people and minister to the poor and the broken. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen, Byron. Thank you. <clears throat> you know the, the, you know, just to agree, Byron, on that one. You know, the battlefield is in the mind, right? So I was hearing this phrase. You know, um, kill. What is it? Kill the lie. Oh, there we go. Or some deal with the lie and what. There we go. That's what I kept on hearing. Ottoburg, wise man. But, yeah, he, I remember he knocked me with his cane because I pronounced his name wrong. <laughs> so, son, that is not how you pronounce my last name. But anyways, so if the prayer team can come up here, if you're comfortable with that, that they can lay hands on you and pray for you, come up. And for you guys at home, bless you. May the Lord keep you. And it was good for you guys to join us online. And for the rest of us in here, I just pray that the Father will absolutely invade your life. Amen? In the name of Jesus. And that's it. Have a good Sunday.